welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. In this episode, David and Nick finally reach the end of the war, morph into a brand new story, find a director for Black Panther, get naughty with Deadpool, and more. Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome, Nick. Welcome, David. Were those crackers satisfactory? The crackers that delayed the show thus? Okay, these crackers, and I don't know if it's because I've had them for, like, months, but they seem to get better with age, like a fine wine. It's called fermenting. Fermenting crackers, that's a new thing. You're getting drunk. Do not, do not eat a cracker right now. Do not. Okay, okay, I'll put them back. I'm just saying, I feel like, I feel like the listeners, if they heard me crunching on them, they'd know, like, damn, these are great crackers. You know what they would think? They'd be like, man, listening to somebody eat... And an audio format sucks. <laughs> I mean, technically, if you're watching like one of those top chef shows where the judges are like eating, like I mean, technically you're hearing them eat. Maybe here's, not as voraciously as I will. Here's eat here's crackers. here's what they'd think. You're just a dick. That's, they would probably think that. That's I got one, two, three, four, five. I got five crackers left. That's and it. you can bet your ass that when this show ends, I'm devouring all of them. That's your after-show snack. You can go to town on them. But in the meantime, we should probably talk about comic books. We probably should, so let's load up. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Well, usually we waste our openings talking about nonsense, but we're just going to dive right into it because we both have so many comics to talk about, just like the promised talk of... Batman and Robin Eternal. Nick, why don't you go ahead and tell us about issue 15, which uh, you told me. So in issue 15 of Batman and Robin Eternal, uh, you find out that Tim Drake is actually Tina Drake. uh, and really? And uh, he decides that he didn't want the sex change after all, so he goes back to being Tina. It is a Tim Drake-centric issue. How did I know that if I didn't read it? Anyway, back because, onto my Because plot. it's one of the four Robins. And you're... I mean, my, kinda... statistically, I had a pretty good shot, but still. Um, anyway, so lines. Tina Drake, this, once she's recovered from the, the sex change operation, decides to fight crime as Red Rob, Robinette. Robinette. Uh, Red Robina. Rob, Robina. Robinita. And... <laughs> um, and um, you find out that mother is actually um, J.K. Simmons, and despite being a 26-issue series, it ends in this issue, so that's what happens. Long story short, in summary, I did not read the last like five issues of Batman and Robin Eternal. Right, right. So yeah, so we are not going to be talking about Batman and Robin Eternal, uh, despite Nick's surprisingly accurate sum-up of a book he hasn't read. Uh, I'm that so, good. You know what? We, we said it was going to be every four issues, and we did after the first four. Think yeah. maybe after the second four. So 16 would be a time for us to talk about it again. So next week, Nick, you have till next week to catch up. Wait, so I'm not even in trouble because 
because technically... No, technically this... we've missed the last time we were supposed to talk about it. Oh. So this is your grace period. You have one more week until the hammer comes down. Wait, so what's my punishment if I don't read it? Oh, man. Are you saying that, like, you're going to kick me off the show? Because I'm, like, 20% of the show. Hey, look, you can be replaced with a hand puppet. <laughs> hey, this is David, guys. And this is Nick. Hey, Nick, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, well, Let's not... talk about comics. I'm not even going to waste time naming him Nick. That's just lazy. Oh. Uh, uh, what's, the, what's that fire thing called in Howl's Moving Castle? Phosphor... Um, phosphorus. It's been a long time. Phosphor. Phosphor. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, Phosphor. It's, his name's Phosphor. That's a good movie. I've really Debbie and I really wanted to watch that the other day. Well, I wanted to watch it and show it to her because she had never seen it. And... So you're gonna tie her up to the couch and force her to watch it. Good. Keep continue. And like, I thought that I totally owned it because whenever I'd like flip through my DVDs, I'm like, there's a, something with a castle on it. Must be Hal's moving castle. It's freaking castle in the sky. Which is also uh, a good movie, but it's not Howl's Moving Castle, which I don't own. I remember when my dad took me to see that, just me and him, him and I, the two of us, at a theater uh, in, I think it was a Hollywood Hits, and it was in like Peabody, Mass? What Danvers, the Mass? That area. Anyway, I remember watching the movie there with my dad, and it was good. Hmm. Uh, in other news, <laughs> Secret Wars number nine of eight has finally day. released. Yes, which the means ninth that, issue of an eight-issue miniseries. Which means mini that event. that this ish, that this episode is coming to you from the far future. <laughs> Possibly know, we were, the, last week we were saying 2017. So, well, yeah, but there were some delays. So this uh, episode's coming to you from 2020. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, flying robot cars now control your life. Yeah, yeah, the cars do. That's that's the weird part. Um, anyway, thoughts on this event, David? Did you actually end up reading it? So I have not read it. Okay. <laughs> I I've kept kind of abreast of what's going on, uh, but Nick, I know that you've read it. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what happened? Well, if you want to know what happened, just uh, go back to October of last year and see that the Marvel universe in fact reconstituted. Okay. The end result of secret wars as, as far as like, um, changes, cosmetic changes, whatever you want to call it, uh, furniture shuffling basically put all the furniture back into place, but they ended up purchasing some new furniture well, to add to the collection. It's like, it's like, you know, oh man, we're going to rearrange everything. You know, I really like how everything is, but, well, we could change the color of the drapes. Perfect. Exactly. Basically, the, the room was pretty good as it was, but they tweaked it a little bit. So kind of what we've already seen so far as a result of this is that, like, Miles Morales uh, has been incorporated into the Marvel Universe. Now, here's some other things to keep in mind. So there's the ultimate Revitcher, the evil one. He's called the Maker. And he actually looks like he gets killed, quote-unquote, in this issue, but we already know, or at least I know, because I've been reading it, he's been appearing in the new Avengers issue. And the way that he's been behaving there is like he, it's hard to tell how much he knows changed or didn't change. Because he's doing experiments where he realizes at the very least that like, we're in a new sort of universal 
transition, like this is a new phase of the universe, mm-hmm. the eighth phase to be specific. It's the age of Aquarius. Continue. Continue. And um, but whether or not he remembers his time on Battle World and all the changes therein is less in the air because there's there's him. Okay, so. As far as in the main story, I'm just going to say the, the big thing that people were concerned about is what happened to the Fantastic Four, specifically Reed and Sue, their two kids. Um, and long story short, at the end of all the conflict, Reed Richards was basically given the power that Doom was given. And now him and Sue and their two kids and some of the future Foundation characters, including one of the Power Pack. So that's that's one of the Power Puff girls is there. What? One of the Powerpuff Girls is there? Not Powerpuff, Power Pack. No, I know, but I, oh. it's more amusing if I think of like Buttercup being there. Okay, so so the Fantastic Four, some of the Future Foundation, and Buttercup got it are basically now existing outside of time and space, using the powers that Doom had gotten from these Beyonder people to effectively recreate the multiverse. So the first universe that they created or recreated was the main Marvel Universe, the 616, which is now no longer 616 because it's the the Prime Universe. It's now called Prime Earth. Um, right. And they're slowly, this is all very like metaphysical kind of stuff, but they're basically slowly, oh, sorry, so between Reed and Franklin Richards, who has like, who's always had like these reality warping superpowers, they're basically constructing alternate realities like one universe at a time and throwing them back out into the multiverse. So right now there's less than 616 universes, but at some point there will eventually be infinite numbers of universes again. Hmm. Um, So that's basically the fate of Reed and Sue. They are alive, existing outside of time and space, recreating and mapping the multiverse. Interesting. So very metaphysical. Uh, this also kind of shows you that Doom... So a big a big sort of emotional clincher in this, because this really has been... One of the ways that you can look at Secret Wars is the last Fantastic Four story. Uh, and also think of it as like the biggest turning point in Doctor Doom's comic career. So a big emotional clincher happens where Doom basically has to admit to Reed that he thinks Reed would have done a better job if he had been in Reed's position. Hmm. Um the end result of that is when sort of reality kind of refreshes itself. Doom steps onto a balcony at his castle in Latveria, takes off his mask and realizes that his face is fixed. And this seems to be kind of the impetus for his sort of chaos neutral sort of change in kind of moral alignment. Um, but that's basically the crux of the issue. Wait, wait, big... so he was like upset all this time because he was disfigured? Well, he always blamed Reed for his disfigurement. Um and I know right. that in the history of comics, there was always less of a debate on whether his face was actually disfigured or if he just had like a scar, mm-hmm. like a small scar that like he was just so vain that like he felt ruined. Uh, it turns out, no, he had like a super disfigured face. Um, Got it. But again, no longer disfigured. Um, beyond that, like it, it kind of, it really just focused on a few characters. There's this great shot of um, just after like, it, so oh, you're, you're going to like this. So it's, one of the reasons that Miles Morales was able to kind of cross over and kind of start anew was because in a previous issue, when Peter and him went to go visit the Molecule Man, who's kind of like the power source keeping it all together, mm-hmm. um, he every time someone comes to visit him, he asks for food, and no one ever has food. For some reason, and somehow, 
Miles was able to store a cheeseburger in his spider costume. Right, obviously. And offered it to the Molecule Man, who accepted it graciously. So, in this issue, uh, after everything kind of changes, it would kind of like flash back and forth between Battle World and the new reality. Uh, and it showed Miles' scene, and it showed a conversation between Miles and the Molecule Man where he was like, thanks for the food, I owe you one. Uh, and if you don't remember, or if you didn't know before, in the Ultimate Universe, Miles' mother was killed by Venom. Um, and oh, now right. in this re- in this refreshed universe, uh, Miles Miles's mother is now alive. Right, I'd heard she was alive a while ago. They mentioned that was going to happen, but there wasn't really an explanation of how. Oh, what I forget what comic showed it first. There was a comic that showed it first, and I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was the all new, all different Avengers or something. Um, but yeah, yeah. So his, so I mean, I guess. The event as a last issue, like, was it worth the hype? It was a really good issue. Like, it was emotionally impactful. It's if like you've been following along with Hickman's threads with the Marvel Universe up to this point. There's a real sense of closure for this last chapter of the Marvel Universe for the Fantastic Four in a lot of ways. Like, you know, they're going to come back. You know that it's only a matter of time before certain editorial changes, certain creative changes, either get reversed or added onto or explained. But as far as being an emotional narrative, it really ends on a bang. Hmm. which is which is, is great because obviously with the delays you can be very frustrated but for this reader I felt fairly satisfied with the, the conclusion interesting okay there's it... still certainly a lot left to explain and explore you know to what extent is Miles incorporated into the universe you know what mm-hmm. else is left of the ultimate universe and obviously you have other people running around like old man Logan's running around the, the ultimate Reed Richards is running around and how much do certain people know or not know? Um, so all of that's kind of up in the air. We'll be just, I'm sure it'll be revealed at some point in time, but, but as far as like being a nine of eight issue miniseries, uh, it was probably like the best Marvel event ever. Really? Yeah. Wow. It does seem like it's been better overall. I think part of the reason for that, from my understanding is that the the tie-ins were largely uh, independent? And I know you can you know you you can argue that like oh, but the tie-ins are always independent. There's you know you can just read the main story, but you like can't really to get the full depth of it. Mm-hmm. And from what I have read of Secret Wars and from everything that I've heard, is that there that the main storyline did have that depth and really stood on its own. And all of the tie-ins were just like, hey, here's cool other stories that are happening in this bigger world. But yeah. you don't need to go read them in order to feel like you're getting the whole story of what's going on. Exactly. And, and I would say that the weakest points in the event were probably like issues six and seven or it was seven. I think it was like six and seven where instead of like – so there was like the characters on the raft. Now there was um, – uh, a lot of a lot of the miniseries, for the most part, kind of stuck to their own. Was telling individual stories within the world of Battle World, mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of, you know, might have some after effect in the new Marvel universe, but mostly stood on their own. There were some though that, like, especially the ones that ultimately dealt with some of these like raft survivors. That um, it was like in issue six or something. There was like two weeks passed. And then, like, even between issue six and seven, some more time passed. And, like, all of a sudden, like, Captain Marvel, she's, like, on Mr. Sinister's island. And she's, like, got a Mr. Sinister Sinister jewel in her head. And you're just supposed to be, like, all right, time passed. Things happen. And I feel like 
And, but, and that's something that wasn't even explored in any of the miniseries. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, on one hand, like, sh- you know, at the very least, if it was explored in a miniseries, you'd have the benefit of saying, all right, well, I'll go read this one. But for changes like that and a couple other things that happen, you're like, well, I feel like this is fairly significant that you could have shown me something. Uh-huh. You know, you could have restructured it a little bit different. So, and those were ultimately the only times during the, the whole nine issues of eight that I like ever kind of was like, well, that kind of was a letdown. But as far as final issues go, this was great. As far as events go, head and, heads above some of Marvel's previous attempts. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that usually at the end of these events, Marvel likes to try to do big, crazy stuff. And here's the new status quo, and here's the new change, and then like delays happen, and like we don't get the conclusion, but we get the aftermath. And in this, it you know from what from what you're saying is that it was much more an emotional ending more personal and it's like yeah you know we always knew that the universe was going to come back but they weren't like oh man at the end like somebody dies and you know that's like totally going to change everything and here's a solicitation of that character being dead uh instead it was just like Oh man, everything's put back together, but emotionally, people are different. Yeah, and at the end, this actually is a happy story. If you think of this as a culmination of everything Hickman's done, he told the final Fantastic Four story, quote unquote, um, but it ultimately ended on as happy now as you can. And I guess that's another big question. So they're not dead, but and they made it. They made to mention like Reed and Sue were talking. It was like uh, Ben and Johnny's stories aren't over yet, so they're still out in the world. Um, so it's sort of like, why is there, why are there stories still uncomplete, but yours are, uh, why are some of the future foundation kids, why is their story finished when they're like kids? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I know it's kind of taking some of these characters. I, I guess that's one thing where it's like, why take the future foundation, some of these future foundation kids, I can understand Reed and Sue and even Valeria and, uh, um, uh, Franklin, Besides maybe being friends to Franklin Valeria during this sort of out of time multiverse rebuilding expedition, you know why are they there? Um, but I'm I'm assuming behind the scenes they were giving a choice and they decided to stay with them. I'm assuming. Um, but how much like in one of the Amazing Spider-Man issues that came out, uh, Peter Parker takes over the Baxter Building. Johnny gets upset, goes to confront him, and they make a mention about like what happened to Reed. But like, so I don't know how much Reed and Ben, like what Reed and Sue's official status is in the universe, like in story. So hmm. remains to be seen, but here is a really cool <sighs> picture. I got it. I got it. I got yeah, it. This is really yeah. great that you're showing me that, um, that is actually really nice. Like really nice composition. Wait, I thought that Miles didn't have web shooters. Well, no, well, I don't know how he necessarily gets them in this new uh, iteration of the character, but in Ultimate Spider-Man, Aunt May gave it to him. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then his friend Gonke figured out how to, like, synthesize the formula. Neat. That's what happened. Anyway, yeah, so Secret Wars, really cool event. It's weird to say that it's finally over, um, but it is. I know, after all of our jokes. And, I mean, all the years of life we lost. It's true, just waiting, because I didn't do anything for a long time. Yeah, just sat here and waited for the next issue. Yep. 
But yeah, yeah, so that's Secret Wars. That was based on my. I've I read a lot of books at work today, mostly Marvel books. I'm just trying to burn through my to read pile. But I mean, that was definitely the biggest of this week that I read. So, David, tell me about Power Rangers. You wanna you wanna hear all about the how about the Power Rangers? Ah, oh, so great. I'm just gonna let this wash over. And I'm pretty sure we're not actually allowed to play that song. Wow, but it's so good right here. totally worth it uh yeah so this month we see the release of power rangers number zero which is a odd place to start but you know whatever um so this this book features easily some whoa what is playing what is playing that's why i don't like clicking on websites anymore that shouldn't happen Show ruined. Show ruined. Everyone uh, go home. No, but, but these books just easily feature just the most beautiful covers. And I am so tempted to buy all of them. Just I mean, I know you've seen the pictures, Nick, but until you see them in person, they're just so nice. That's true. I mean, definitely great covers. Uh, but the content inside, who cares? I didn't read it. No. <laughs> so I am a lifelong Power Rangers fan, and I'm totally first in line to recognize how cheesy and ridiculous it all is and it's a kids show and it's super goofy and there's nostalgic elements uh that all aside i still hold it a very special place in my heart and of course i'm going to uh carry that into my reading here there's a bug who apparently wants to get to wherever nick is because he keeps running into my screen near your face um but about this book, it is – so the storyline is that it, it takes place shortly after um, Tommy is first introduced in the Power Rangers continuity, which when he was first introduced, he was the evil Green Ranger. And there was like a five-part episode you know, arc where he was just kicking the Power Rangers' asses left and right. And at the end of it, they eventually defeat him. But instead of, you know, destroying him, they are like, you're a Power Ranger, come be one of us, which he does. And for the rest of the show, until he becomes the White Ranger, he's struggling with, you know, with the fact that his powers are tied to their greatest enemies. So the storyline picks up right after that initial defeat and joining of the Power Rangers. And Tommy is at his first day of school as a Power Ranger trying to hang out with all the cool ranger kids. Uh, but he has the voice of Rita Repulsa in his head, following him around and kind of just trying to destroy his self-confidence. And it's, they kind of leave it up of like, is she actually in his head saying these things? Or are these just thoughts that are manifesting themselves as Rita Repulsa? Mm -hmm. uh, and then while they're in school, a giant monster starts attacking the city. So they go out there and they you know they they zord up and they go and fight him but tommy's having issues with the with the dragon zord which leads to him and jason kind of having this fight after everything is over 
uh, and this is of course all to distract from Rita Repulsa starting some brand new plan. And I can't remember <clears throat> the Scorpion Girl's name. Do you remember her name? Scorpion Girl. Uh, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Let me see if I can quickly Google foo it. Power Rangers Scorpion. Scorpina. Yeah, I thought it might be Scorpina because that <laughs> sounded like a dumb thing that they would do. And it totally is. Uh, anyway, Scorpina uh, helps Rita set up, set up some new plan. And then there's two, um, two backup stories, which I'll talk about those in a little bit. Uh, one of the really cool things that I like about this book... I think it's a really, really good book, but one of the best things is that they are approaching it very seriously and with very contemporary sensibilities, and they're not saying, hey, let's just make it a gritty reboot, Mm -hmm. which that fan film came out that some people really liked, and I really didn't like at all because I thought that it, you know, betrayed what power rangers is and you know it, it was it was fine and fun but the people who were like yeah this is the this is how power rangers should be like that's what i didn't like is that a lot of people were turning into like this is how power rangers should be and we're adults now it should be gritty and really violent and this is saying like no we can tell you know a more mature story without having everybody running each other through with swords and copious amounts of bloods and f words and boobies um so, you know, the whole storyline of Tommy struggling with his self-confidence has a very mature tone to it. The monster attacking the city, like, you kind of feel the stakes of what's going on because there's, like, a somebody messes something up and these cars almost plunge into the river before the, the, or the ocean. It's really hard to tell. Angel Grove exists in some place outside of time uh, <laughs> and our physical world. But, you know, the the cars get saved at, like, the last minute before anything bad happens. Like, there's definite danger and and adult situations happening without being excessive. Um, this has, of course, helped. Like, the art is really, really great. Uh, one thing that I really like they, they did, and we'd seen the character designs before, but they aren't trying to just replicate the faces of the cast from the mm-hmm. 90s cart for the 90s show not cartoon the show if it was a cartoon it'd be a lot easier um instead they're like here's you know they look kind of like them but they're just gonna like mostly dress in the same color coordination i think that's really good because i'm not gonna spend my time being like no that's not what jason looks like at all no 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 that's not zach no nah. uh instead it's like okay cool these are these are the power rangers and it just helps me feel a little bit more immersed because i'm not distracted by bad representations of their faces um I would like to see more of the art, like or the action. The action was a little bit cluttered. I'm not putting that, like, on the artist. Obviously, the writer kind of plans out the pages, and he was trying to have it still be a development moment in characterization. But we barely got to see the monster, like a good view of him, and uh, the action felt a little bit rushed and covered up by, you know, cutaways to them inside the Zords. Uh, it was also super weird. This is where like my weird nerd nostalgia clicks in because they show Tommy in the Dragon's Sword, and I'm like, uh, excuse me, that's not how it works. He has a flute. That's also a dagger. 
that he uses to control oh, it yeah. through the power of music. But he actually did totally control it from the inside every once in a while. Because, like, there was always the implication that the Dragon Zord was much more of, like, a mythical beast that he, like, tamed with music and would occasionally, like, help out. But it would sometimes, like, not listen to him and go on its own, you know, temper tantrum rampages. This shows how much I know about this 23-year-old show. Kind of makes me still want to go back and watch him, even though I know I probably have better things to do with my time. Yeah, you would think that. I would have thought that a couple of years ago when I did rewatch them. Uh, <laughs> and, and yet here we are. Um, the show or the, the, the art does do one thing that's a little bit annoying, which is, you know, the characters have six packs that you can see through their costumes, uh, which I don't like when they do that in superhero books either. It's like, I, kind of trying to like believe that they have some level of armor on it's like unless they have built in like six packs into the armor because they want to try to intimidate their enemies with their incredible abs uh otherwise it's like why would you wear something that incredibly skin tight hmm. uh into battle it just doesn't you know tommy has the shield um and you know nick let's just all agree that jason is the worst can we just no. go ahead whoa 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 <laughs> Tommy sucks. Man. Let's put that out right now. No. Jason was, was the, the bomb. Best. And then, oh, the Green Ridge, I'm so conflicted. I don't know how to feel. Comes on the stage. And Kimberly's all like, Ooh. And I'm like, no. Okay. No. Tommy sucks. Yeah, He's yeah, got no, long he's... hair. What is he? Oh, he takes off the helmet and it's like a flowing mane. He's no, often like in a ponytail. Well, you know, here's, uh, here's how exciting Jason is. Hello, I'm Jason. Would you like to watch some paint dry with me? At least that's more exciting than, Ugh, Tommy, I'm so sad. I was like evil for five episodes. Oh, and now I, had somebody, I had somebody mind-controlling me. Oh, oh my God. Like 99% of comic book characters have been mind-controlled at some point in their lives. Yeah, this is Power Rangers. It's not comic books. And now it's in the comic book. Oh, Erica. God. Still, still, uh, mind control? Don't be a little bitch. <laughs> Nick, I'm gonna I'm gonna invent mind control, and then perform it on you, and we'll see what song you're singing. Guess what? Guess what? When I come out of the other set, I'm gonna be like, "That was the kind of experience I used to inform my future." And then every night you're gonna go home. Myself. You're gonna go home and sit in the shower and just weep until you're out of tears. At least I won't make a comic book about it. Yes, you will. I probably will. That'd be the one time I actually inspire myself to finish a comic. And then it like gets nominated for an Eisner and people think it's genius and then they're waiting for your next work which you're like no no it's coming and your publisher keeps calling you up and it's like Nick are you going to publish another comic and you're like oh don't rush creative genius and then uh, one thing leads to another and you die bitter and alone in an alley with heroin needle in your arm yeah yeah no that, that sounds about right that's exactly where I'm going with all this but Nick here's one thing that you have to ask yourself in any Power Rangers comic do you know what that question is? Uh, no, what is it? It's where is Bulk and Skull? Where are Bulk and Skull? That's correct. Uh, and the answer is they are in a backup story featured at the end of this issue, which I think is actually a really smart move. Uh, the writing is done by your current man crush. Uh, Steve Orlando. Steve Orlando. Yes. And the art is uh, Corin Howell. 
so it's only two pages in this, but it, I think that the idea is that it's going to be a continuing thing throughout their, um, throughout the issues. And it's like a place where that's where Bulk and Skull are going to do their shenanigans instead of, in, you know, trying to insert them into the main storyline, which probably does need some level of humor. There's like a little bit, but Bulk and Skull were always so ridiculous uh, that I think trying to insult uh, insert them into this story might not work super well, uh, especially because I just hear that stupid theme song of theirs every time I see their faces. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the theme song, Nick? I don't remember the theme song. Oh, man. Bulk and Skull theme. There we go. This is going to happen. You're going you're gonna to have a nostalgia bomb. <laughs> anyway that's what weird that like the way that that like works in your mind is that like i totally know it but it's like obviously it happened in so many episodes it's not like i have one distinct memory like i was sitting here watching this it was it's just like a ethereal nostalgia bomb yeah it's because every time they were on screen that is the song that would play they were literally the Team Rocket before there was a Team Rocket. Uh, what? When did Power Rangers, not Power Rangers, Pokemon come out? Uh, it wasn't Power Rangers like 1992 or 93. 93, yeah. Uh, I remember experiencing Pokemon when I was in the fifth grade, and I was watching Power Rangers before that. So that would have been like 98 or something. First episode was 97, yeah. For Pokemon? Yeah. Yeah, so that sounds about right. Interesting. Um, anyway, like I said, backups, I think, are a really good place for them to have their ridiculous stories. Uh, there's also another backup that they apparently was a from the San Diego Comic-Con comic, uh, which is called What Time Is It? Which is basically just the Rangers uh, fighting Goldar and some putties. Uh, but it was actually really fun. It was very much like the the show, more so than the main story, um, which I really like what they're doing with the main story. But it was it was just a fun little moment. It felt like it could have been a licensed comic back in the early '90s when they were like, ah, the kids are watching the show and they've bought all the lunch boxes. Why don't we license some comics? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's actually the art there was really nice, and I would not mind at all if that artist or even like that team were to were to take on this book uh should it last past the initial story and not just become a um a mini series which i hope it doesn't i'm liking where this is going mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm all on board on the power rangers train just now obviously this book is going it's gonna kind of do its own thing i'm assuming it picked the starting point in the original series and then is presumably going to go off on its own. Um, do you think it would have been better if they had just done sort of like ultimate Power Rangers and just rebooted from the very beginning of the story when they got their powers? I don't think that would have been as good. Um, I, It's good that things feel established. In a way, it does kind of feel like stuff is on its own. Uh, it takes place in a more modern era. I don't know if it's supposed to take place today, but like everybody has cell phones and they're texting each other things. But Tommy has a BlackBerry, so I'm not really sure what time period this is supposed to be. <laughs> um, but I mean, I assume it's it's you know supposed to be 2016 ish. Uh, 
and I think you know you're gonna possibly have people who because there's not there's not a lot of 27 year olds like me who have all of this Power Rangers knowledge like that's you know I'm a, I'm a very small minority uh, so I think most people are going to come into like oh yeah man Power Rangers that was kind of cool let's check out this comic and hopefully they're going to be like oh this is like good I want to keep reading this and keep going um, but the- well, that's why I feel like if it if it's more we're going to attract and I, I think I think there's a lot more people that were as big into Power Rangers as we were. I mean, it really was like a cultural phenomenon for its time. It, it was, but I would it guarantee I know more of, of the continuity and characters than you do, and you're in the right for not knowing those things. Well, no, uh, I, I remember them, quote-unquote, but right. like, obviously I don't, I don't maybe remember it in vivid detail, but I could pick up a, a Power Rangers book like this and be like, oh, it's starting here. Yeah, but I mean, they could, they could do kind of any storylines they want, and people aren't going to be up in arms. You know, they, they can't kill somebody off, but if they want to have different sort of, like, romantic relationships or, like, for a while this person's not a Power Ranger, like, they could be like, oh, this other person was a Power Ranger for a while. Like, why not? You know, people aren't going to be up in arms. There were totally times when there were weird substitute Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as long as, as, you know, nobody dies, they can kind of do whatever they want. I mean, I know Power Rangers has a continuing continuity. Um, You can kind of trace back even, like, from this episode, uh, from this current iteration. I think this current iteration might be the one where they, like, can access the power of old Rangers, so they sometimes, like, turn into the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. This Uh, current uh, Power Rangers generation? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, So, like, obviously all these things have existed, and you know, let's just say this is canon. That's totally fine. Like you can have you can have fun with it. You know, I I would be, I I don't see them restricting things unnecessarily. You know, if the story's good, just tell it. Just go with it. They're not, they're not like reinventing the wheel. But you know, I think that's good. First cut of paint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can read more of my thoughts. Well, it hasn't officially been submitted yet, so I can't really promote it. But uh, I did. Sub- I've begun writing reviews, as we sort of hinted at last week that I was doing something else, uh, and that is I've begun writing reviews for Majorspoilers.com. I submitted Whoa, spoilers, David. Uh, I submitted a couple today. They should be up uh, in the next day or so. Since I'm new, it takes a little bit longer. But uh, one of them that I did was Power Rangers number zero. I'm so upset. We have to wait until March for issue number one. What? Yeah. Why would they release it two months in advance? I don't know, Nick. I don't. That doesn't seem like a good idea. No. That's weird. Anyway. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where we're at with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. The Morphin and the Mighty. Cool. Um, I didn't, do you want to talk about any other books? I actually didn't get a chance to read much else this week. I picked up a good amount of stuff. But, like I said, work's been a little cray. Cray so cray. Like, Descender came out. Um, it's funny, because I, I, I kind of had this in my head of, like, when, when you were telling me the other day that Dr. Kwan's this whiny little bitch, I'm like, 
eh, you know, I don't remember him being too bad until he gets his arm cut off. Uh, but this issue opens with him being very much a whiny little bitch uh, because he's getting his arm replaced and he's like crying about it. And um, what's her name? I can't remember the the blue woman's Telsa. name. Telsa. Telsa. Right. She says, oh, would you stop your yelping, Quan? We both know it doesn't hurt that bad. That med bot has you so pumped full of painkillers. Like, he, he really is just being a whiny little bitch. Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, I haven't lost an appendage yet and had to get a new one put on, but... I mean, come on, Quan. I think it's, it's not even so much about the arm thing. Like, that's obviously traumatic. But the fact, like... Well, he's a, he, he's, he's a fame seeker, you know? He's a fame seeker. And I think now that we know that he's not, like, this... He's like, despite being highly regarded, he's in fact like a thief, more or less, and kind of, you know, he has some he has some level of intelligence, sure, but yeah, he, he doesn't he have integrity. Exactly, and I think now that we he doesn't have the integrity because he literally and like, um, I'm trying to remember, like three issues ago when they were they were getting picked up by uh, Nish, the planet Nish, um, he basically threw. Um, his compatriots under the bus so that he wouldn't get killed. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and like we saw the the flashback issue, where it's like, oh, we found these horrible old machines. We should like destroy them. And he's like, no, we should totally steal their designs. Well, he didn't say that they were going to be destroyed, but they, well, um, yeah. the other uh, scientists wanted them to be studied further before right, yeah, interacting was, with them. That's. But I, I think the natural conclusion he would have come to was, let's destroy these and not signal to whatever made these giant monstrosities that we also want to die. Yeah, yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But yeah, Descender's been good. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that came up. Let's see. I'm not going to go into any details about it, but I've caught up on Doctor Strange, oh. which has been good. Cool art by Chris Bacalo, 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 Bacalo. Baccarat, whatever. Uh, anyway, Chris. Law art by Chris. This guy, Chris, draws comics. Um, Chris draws comics. It's it's actually c- kind of cool in the sense that, like, the way that uh, Jason Aaron is approaching magic is like a, almost like a medical drama. Like, he is a doctor, but it's literally sort of like, you know, you're walking down the street, everything looks normal, but behind the scenes, behind the curtains and the, the sort of magical realm that's overlapping our reality, there's magical fungus there's things that viruses and things that grow and he literally is the doctor that treats them so the, the way that a lot of the magic is approached is like things like sort of magical versions of things that you would find in your own body or on your skin or around your person uh, and that's kind of a really cool way to approach it hmm. um you know there was doesn't really matter it's 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 really cool I try applying treating magic sort of like a you know, a, a, a medical procedure than that's, just like magic. That's interesting. I, um, I always, I really, really like worlds that play around with the idea of, of magic because there's some, you know, the standard thing is like magic exists and some people can use it. And I really like when people put a bit more structure into it without going too crazy. Of course, yeah. you know, uh, have you read name of the wind? No. Like, there is magic in that, but it's super structured. Uh, and it's, like, it's very scientific, which is, like, super cool. That's totally awesome. But I still kind of like there being a mystical element to it. Mm-hmm. You know? 
So again, and I actually think you'd probably really like this book. The debatable. The main thrust is there. There are these villains that are coming. that are oh. just like spreading across the multiverse or the magical dimensions and all that. Um, and they're called the <laughs> they're called the empirical or empirical. So it's like culling, but empiric. The word empirical. Mm-hmm. You get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, anyway. They are um, basically destroy, like killing magic everywhere, um, and at the same time, the there is the idea of cost for magic. So, do, so the idea is that like when Doctor Strange uses his magic, his like the Vashanti or the Wanda Watum and all of that, he's basically making sort of micro packs with the deities or demons or whatever that are sort of the uh, possessors of this spell, this energy or whatever that he's channeling. Uh, and that comes with a cost, and he basically hasn't been paying his bill for years and years and years and years, and now it's starting to catch up with him. Hmm. So that's the, you know kind of another cool way that they're building up sort of the the tension and the drama. Um, but yeah, no, actually, it's it's like four issues in. It's it's really good. Uh yeah, I'll have to check it out at some point in the future, years from now. <laughs> I'm just trying in, to be honest. In collected edition. In a yeah, collected edition, yes. That you will probably buy from me. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm totally gonna read it, and then. Oh, you'll read it if I buy. It. You always read the books I buy for you. Yeah, no, I do. It's true. I just want your love and just for you to be proud of me. It'll never be good enough. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> have you read any other books? You know, whether today, like from this week or previous weeks, uh, caught up on. I just caught up recently, actually, on uh, I Zombie. Volume one. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, because I I bought that a while ago on Comixology, but I didn't really have a good way to read stuff until I got an iPad, and now it has made the um, the experience so much better. Uh, it's a really interesting story. Like I said, I like books that kind of add a new twist on old things. Have you read iZombie Volume 1? I read the first volume, yeah. Yeah, so like that whole idea that there's like the two souls and, you know, when you die, there's basically one of six or seven things that can happen to you. So it's like you can become, you know, you can become a ghost or a poltergeist. So like your souls can move on or like depending on which soul sticks around, you become one of these or you could become one of these. It's it's a really interesting take. Um, all in all, I thought the the story was pretty good. Mike Allred's not my favorite. He's good. Don't get me wrong. I feel like there's sort of a Mike Allred cult out there though, and like nobody ever just says like yeah Mike Allred's okay. They're always like Mike Allred is the greatest thing that's happened to comics since Jack Kirby and and Stan Lee created Toaster Man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think most people say that. He certainly is a specific style that you're either going to like or not like. And he could get miscast on a book. Like, there could be a book that he just isn't suited for. But as far as, like, iZombie or more recently uh, Silver Surfer. His you know, stuff on Silver Surfer I really liked that I've seen. Yeah. The, it's, you know, he, he, certain, he can definitely elevate the type of story that he's drawing. But then he could be completely wrong if, like, he was the artist assigned to Brian Bendis's Iron Man or, or something, mm-hmm. you know? It's got to be a specific project that he works on. But I'm also part of the Mike Allred cult, so... I knew it. You're going to tell him. Oh, you guys are going to have a meeting. You're going to tell him. This is the worst. I definitely want to read 
the rest. There's only four volumes, right? Yeah, the book I think was canceled prematurely because of low sales or something. Canceled, bruh. I wonder if there's any chance. Well, I guess he's probably busy with Silver Surfer. I was gonna say, I wonder if there's any chance for that to maybe come, come back. Come well, back. there's that, and then the writer Chris Roberson uh, had a falling out with DC because it was a Vertigo book. Oh right, I do remember this now. So the likelihood, unless he can somehow get the rights back, but sounding like because the TV show is coming through DC and all that, probably unlikely. Now, I, I have a friend who I'm not really sure how to take her opinion on everything because we like most of the same stuff, but occasionally we're a little bit off. And she makes really weird predictions, but she said that she feels like uh, iZombie is running out, uh, running out of um, personality stereotypes. Mm-hmm. In that, like, what's the show gonna do once they've done all generic personalities they could do? It's like, well, this is a time we're doing a sociopath who really likes green salads, or we're doing an adrenaline junkie who's afraid of bees. You know, there's only there really is only so much you can do. Well, I suppose, and I I just recently finished season one, actually, so I'll probably at this point just wait for season so, two to finish. So you're an expert on this, is what you're trying to say? No, I'm not. But here's here's kind of the simple answer to that: just end the show. Yeah. I mean, like when you're running out of story. I mean, they certainly could stretch it. I mean, how many seasons of the various Law and Orders are there? Or Grey's Anatomy? Or all these shows? Or how that much run scandal for is there when season? there shouldn't even be any more scandal? Dude. I just finished season four, and it was like, what? And it literally was like, I'm mind blown. Anyway, I'll probably wait until season five comes on Netflix. But, um, Ooh, I should look up spoilers. No! I'm <laughs> Don't tell you do it. I see that you doing it. Stop it. You, you don't, don't know, know me. what to look for. Scandal season five. <laughs> Stop. Um, oh, but, oh, man. There's a there's a breakup, Nick. Um, <laughs> I regret um, nothing. But with uh, I Zombie, um, I mean, it's, it is that kind of thing where I can totally see that it's it's it kind of follows a niche every episode, and at some point they're going to run out, and they can either prolong its agony or end the show on a high note. So hopefully that's what they do. I mean, they could probably get like another season out of it. I don't think it needs to be a show that runs for. Six seasons. No, no. And I guess that uh, Major knows now that she's a zombie. He does. He, he knows that by the end of the... He actually... Uh, uh, I think he recommended this show on the show, so why don't you know? I haven't finished the first season yet. Because <laughs> I, I recommended it while the first season was happening. Oh, maybe. Maybe you get that excuse. Um, so, uh, spoilers. Major spoilers. Yeah. Um, uh, so major, she turns. So oh yeah, major basically shoots up the butcher shop, uh-huh. um, and then um, Blaine like stabs him, and he's he's dying. So um, Liv does the only thing she knows that she can do to save him, which is turn him into a zombie. Um, at this point, she has basically two doses of the cure that Ravi's uh, worked up, and she ends up using one. If you don't actually on... tell me everything. I actually want to watch the episode. <laughs> so Stuff she... happens. Okay. All right, so that's how. So you could have just been like, "Yeah, he knows by the end of the first season." You oh, jerk! But I like, I like explaining this. I know stuff. you do. There's times where I've had to stop you on this show because you're just running through the entire plot of the last six issues of whatever book we we're talking about. But I feel like I express it in a compelling way. Do you? It'd no. Be, it'd be better if there were. It'd be better if there were puppets. 
<laughs> but if we can't, you can't do a puppet show with just audio. You could do a visual podcast. You mean, oh yeah, you could do a video podcast. Oh man, should we do a video podcast of puppets? We could. We should. All right, we're going to... How many Everyone, comic puppet podcasts are there? Probably none. We could corner the market. <laughs> no, we should actually do this. Yeah, we'll talk about it later, man. Be cool. All right, sorry. I, uh, <sighs> news. Yeah, all right. Well, you know, we can't talk about the news until it gets hand-delivered. And you know who's going to deliver it any minute now? Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Uh. <laughs> Pat, Here I just have an idea. When we get to the news segment on the puppet show, we can have little puppets of Spider-Man, Firestar, and Iceman swing across the top. Sure. And, like we'll, drop mail on us. We'll work on that. Uh, but man, is there some exciting news? Ryan Coogler has been announced by Marvel officially to direct Black Panther. Oh, I have not seen either of his two movies. He only has two? I believe so. I don't quote me on that. I know that he's at least known for Creed, which came out this past year mm -hmm. uh, and apparently is excellent. I actually saw Creed over uh, the holidays. My brother really wanted to go see a movie, so we went and saw it. And was it good? It was really good. Okay. Yeah. And then apparently he's also known for Fruitvale Station. Fruitvale Station. Also with... Um, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Which means they're going to recast. Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman, you're out. Michael B. Jordan, you're in. It's possible, I suppose. But it's not because... I mean, I guess they could recast and They did that with War Machine. Um, almost always with black actors, not what? with white actors. Is there racism involved? No, probably just coincidence. But, um, yeah, that's cool. I mean, but without seeing the movies... I've heard nothing but good things about this director so far. I mean, the director yeah. of Elf went on to direct Iron Man, which is fantastic. Yeah. So no, he seems like he seems like uh, the right guy for the for the movie because they were definitely looking to get a black director, and you have this black director who is, you know, very popular right now and directed uh, a movie that's getting a ton of critical acclaim, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, is getting also a very good positive response. Uh, so yeah, this is this is really cool. There's a really great fight scene in Creed that's all one shot. Yeah. And it was really really well done. Uh, so if like that's the kind of sensibility they're they're bringing in here, I'm totally down for that. I'm really excited to see, uh, to see, you know just to see this movie to see what a high profile team is going to bring to it. It's I'm really glad they're bringing a, hope, a high profile team to it, you know? Mm. Uh, so good, good for them. Good for, uh, Ryan Coogler and for black Panther. Coogly, googly Coogler. Nick, what else is going on? Uh, let's see. Besides that, um, uh, here's, here's kind of an interesting one. I, I have not, and I, I think you have, but I've never done any of these like subscription services like the, mm -hmm. Loot Crate? Uh, like Luke Loot Crate, uh, but it looks like Funko, who makes those pop vinyl character like figurines, which I actually have quite a few of, uh, launch, is launching a DC subscription box service, which they've already been doing one for Marvel. So you guess, I guess for $25 a month or something like that, every couple of months, you get a crate of like $50 worth of product, and it's going to be like DC, it's going to be like themed. So like this first one is going to be like Batman v Superman. Which I'm probably going to buy it <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, it's, like, it depends. Like, I, it, presumably, based on the photos in the article, they're showing like the armored Batman, which would be a cool one to have. Yeah, but then like, so awesome. the, assuming like maybe it has like a T-shirt in it or something. Mm-hmm. It, I'm really, really picky when it comes to like comic themed T-shirts. I won't just wear any anything. Yeah. So it's like if it's just some like generic, dumb looking Batman fighting Superman one, I I'd be like, all right, well that was. I basically paid twenty five dollars for a pop figure. Yeah, no, I and I think they'll have some cool stuff. Like I did two loot crates, um, and I got some really awesome stuff. One of them being a Los Poyos Hermanos uh, apron. Ooh, that actually does sound cool. That, yeah, that one is pretty great. And a pretty neat Venom mug. I got like a little Batman statue that I really, really like. Um, so I would say in that level they're worth it. There was a really cool D&D shirt for Loot Crate that I wanted. But of course you don't know what's going to be in them until after they come out. So it's like you, you got to roll them dice. And of course they've got like some dumb stuff that comes with like keychains and like uh, wrist guards and whatever stuff that um, like a hot topic kid would probably want to wear totally yeah <laughs> um and that's you know that's fine it's not all for me but man that armored batman funko is really really cool looking yeah uh, and i guess they already have a marvel one which i was not aware of yeah um yeah so that's the collector core is over yeah. it that's a lot. I mean, think of it. You sign, maybe you subscribe to the Marvel one, and then like there's the DC one, and it's like, oh, it's damn, ridiculously like... expensive. There's a there's a comic one that's like you get graphic novels every month. Hmm. I think it's a uh, comics bento is what it's called. Which I've considered also trying that one out. Uh, it's seventeen fifty a month, and I think you get um, five graphic novels. That's pretty cool. So, like, this one that they're advertising has, like, Batman, Volume, you know, Volume 1, Court of the Owls, Spider-Man Blue, uh, Transformers 1. Like, I doubt they're all going to be that, you know, high profile awesome. But mm-hmm. I'm sure you would get some really, really, really neat stuff in there. Uh, yeah. I'm actually, yeah, I'm kind of tempted by these things, which is really stupid. I'm that target audience. But I'm... I'm not the full target audience because I'm tempted, but I rarely ever click the subscribe button. I'm like, oh man, that seems really cool, but nope. I'm just gonna back out. Back it out. Things in life. Anyway, other stuff's happening. Like the like 2000 AD launches a fan petition for a Dread TV show. Now this is a uh, an interesting one. Well, apparently, okay, I don't fully read the articles. Sometimes I, when getting these stories, I'm like, oh, man, that looks like it's really relevant to us, and then I'll read it while we're doing the show and be like, ah, wish that I'd gone deeper. Uh, Campaign calling us it for a more serialized and being promoted. So it seems like there was a petition that somebody made that is getting... um, they got picked up by 2000 AD. For those who don't know, 2000 AD is the comic company. Are they? I mean, they were a magazine for. A They're long a publishing time, company. Right? They They're make the, the company. magazine. Uh, right, and they have been publishing Dread for like a hundred years at this point. Uh, and there was the really well-received kind of cult following film of Dread with uh, Carl Urban. I liked it. It was really good, and apparently Carl Urban would really like to do more of it as well. 
because uh, it's the dread film where he actually doesn't take off his helmet like he's supposed to not do. Um, Good sentence. Yeah, thank you. I've been working on it all day. Uh, but there hasn't been any movement on a sequel or anything like that. People have been really disappointed, and now apparently there's over 100,000 people signing a petition to say, hey, I would watch this. Unfortunately, 100,000 people is not a lot. You need millions. Yeah, um, where you have these numbers now coming out from Netflix where supposedly 40-something million people watched every episode of Jessica Jones. Uh, interesting yeah. if true. Or, no, sorry, 4.8 million, not 40 million. That wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> where the hell are you getting those numbers from? Uh, did you see that really stupid thing on Facebook where people were like, the Powerball's, you know, one point whatever billion. If you divide that by 300 million Americans, everybody gets $1.3 million, thus solving poverty. You know how much it really is, Nick? How much? $4.33. <laughs> yeah. They didn't... Were they just hoping people were stupid yeah, and just no. trolling oh, the, the internet? I assumed that it was a troll who got it in their head of like, hey, I'm going to make this really dumb infographic. Let's see how many people share it and uh, without, checking the without, without checking the facts. And lots of people shared it, including you, Nick. I did not share it. I don't share infographics. Yes, you do. Only like that one time. Uh, oh man, you know what I forgot to finish up for this week? Uh, Robin War. It ended. I wonder what happened. I don't know. I'll talk about it next week. I meant to catch up on it before the end, but I missed an issue of We Are Robin. Dum 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 dum. Um, but yeah, just, Our farmers. Yeah. So Jessica Jones got 4.8 million viewers in a 35 day viewing cycle, which is a really good amount of viewers. Much higher than 100,000. So unfortunately, really great sentiment, but I don't see this going anywhere. You know, obviously, like, if a dread thing like this came onto the scene and it was in the same vein as the most recent movie, like, I'd probably want to watch it. And, I, and I'm sitting there and like, it'll probably take me two seconds to sign a petition. And then, boom, there you go, 100,001. 100, I'm, on, I'm on the page right so now. And you're not even signing it. Nope. You know, and it's just like, there probably are, I mean, how many, at least four million people went to go see the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But obviously that wasn't enough to make the movie a roaring success. But there's like 40 million, there are there are. 40 or 4 million people out there that would watch this if it came to fruition. But like, apparently like (laughs) 4 million of those people or a little under 4 million of those people don't give a shit enough to like seek it out. You know, if it's there, that's the other thing. Sometimes it's just like, it's there. So people go watch it. Let's think about casual moviegoers or casual TV watchers. It's presented in front of them. And they're like, oh, oh, this is cool. I'm, I'm glad I, I caught it. I'm going to keep watching it. Not like these people that signed this petition that are like like waiting with bated breath for something like this to come out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And looking at that petition has led me to Olivia Thurlby's IMDb page because I was like, what else has she been in? And then I'm just reminded of how purdy she is. Who? Uh, Olivia Thurlby, the girl from Dread. Oh, yeah. 
She was also in Juno and the, she Stan- was in Juno. And the Stanford Prison Experiment. I didn't see that. Neither did I. I was just looking at her IMDb page, and that one is listed on there. I didn't know they made a movie of it. Yeah, I had... Did you is that to, a recent movie? Yeah, it was the 2015. Oh, that's weird. Did you have to study the uh, Stanford Prison Experiment? I hope so, because I have a degree in psychology. <laughs> if I didn't, then... Man, um, that yeah. really didn't answer that question, though. No, I did study it. Uh-huh. It's the one where they had the people dress up as the guards and the prisoners, and eventually they actually devolved into their assigned jobs mm-hmm. and like people were murdering one another yeah they kind of had to end it early they did because philip zimbardo was an idiot though we watched so many videos in high school with philip zimbardo in it who's philip zimbardo the guy behind the stanford prison experiment like it doesn't mean anything to most people but i watched so many freaking videos with philip zimbardo in it that that man is burned into my brain <laughs> Yeah, apparently the lesson wasn't that impactful on me because I couldn't remember his name. Zim. Well, also, it's, his name is Philip Zimbardo. Well, you think you wouldn't forget that. Zimbardo. Oh, look at this guy. Look at that guy. Look at him. Look at him on his face. He's 82 years old. Dang. Well, well he's getting up there. Yeah. Children. Adam Zimbardo. Zimbardo. Zimbardo's such a better name. And his mom's maiden name was... Bisichia. But it's not as good as Zimbardo. Never stood a chance. Nope. Um, cool, cool. Uh, let's see what else is going in the newsosphere. Uh, Civil War II to be retitled Minority Report. That's <sighs> interesting. Civil War II, man. Let's, let's, let's deconstruct this for a moment. So, Civil War II. Marvel is officially saying, we don't want to come up with new ideas. So much to the point that we're not even going to come up with an original name. It's so uninteresting to just be like, here's Civil War 2. Alright. I am excited for Civil War 2. Specifically, not necessarily exclusively, but specifically for David Marquez's arc. Because he just so blew me away on his Invincible Iron Man arc. That I'm like, what could he do with the rest of the Marvel Universe? With Bendis, like, that could be hit or miss. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it until I have it in my hands. And I think it's like an eight-issue miniseries, so I'm assuming not a lot's going to happen issue to issue until, like, the last five seconds. And then the last five seconds will be super rushed and just kind of let you know what's going to happen for the next year's worth of Marvel publishing. That's a very pessimistic view. I really hope it's good overall. Is it an original idea? Like, yeah, okay, we've all seen Minority Report. We've all read the Philip K. Dick story, or we haven't, we know about it. I mean, there's not that many original stories these days. It's what you kind of like, how, what kind of uniqueness you bring to the table. I know you and I were texting because we were like, you know, well, well, oh, the, look, there's like 10 other precogs already. Because right, well, here's the whole idea uh, behind Civil War Two, is that a a new superhero shows up who has the ability to see the future and this leads to uh, Captain America, not Captain America, Iron Man and Captain Marvel kind of go head to head on, oh, how should we use this person? Should we use them to stop future crime? Or uh, should we use them, you know, or should we not use them to stop future crime? Is essentially the two sides of this war. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, what were you saying? Um, about precogs. Pre- right. 
the, the, you know, there's, there's oh, right, right, yeah, there's precogs in the Marvel Universe. There's some still currently active. I guess the idea is that this new precog is like gives really highly detailed information, like very, very accurate, I should say. Um, and that what maybe because I know like Cable right now has some precog powers, but it's like this is kind of I can kind of see it, you know, like a shitty fortune tower or like all fortune tellers, but oh. um. But uh, this one sounds like they're literally getting almost like a data stream of like, this is totally going to go down. This person's going to do it. Um, which I feel like even in the Marvel Universe, they've had stories like that before. But, you know, it's it, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, it, it's just going to be the beast that it's going to be. It's going to be an incredibly beautifully drawn beast, by the way. I mean, if Beast is in it, he's going to look beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a beautiful beast. I'm also looking for more ways to say the word beast. Now I'm done. Um at the end of it, like when it comes to these comics, superhero comics, it's really just more like uh, you're curious about who's going to do what, who's going to fall where. For example, it looks like they've showed us the first cover. So now we know it's Iron Man versus Captain Marvel. And we know that Iron Man is actually going to fall on the side of due process. And basically think the punishment has to fit the crime. And Captain Marvel is going to fall on the side of figuring out how I can get that stupid alarm to shut off. Um but also, she's also going to be for using it to stop crimes before they happen. Mm-hmm. And apparently, assuming that this cover is accurate, she starts off with having Spider-Man, Peter Parker, I should say, and She-Hulk on her side. A couple of interesting things that are about that. On one hand, on an emotional level, you could assume that Peter Parker, like, if he'd had a tool to prevent Uncle Ben from being shot, would he have done it? The chances are yes. But it doesn't feel like a Spider-Man, Peter Parker move. Well, but that's what I mean emotionally. That like, if if he would go back, he would obviously want to stop the death of his uncle. We all, anyone that has suffered some kind of you know loss of a, a loved one, would want to do whatever they could to prevent it and change history. So yeah, but that but, but Peter Parker seems smarter than that. You know? He does, but this is Civil War, so people have to act right. stupid for the Well, yeah, and, and I really like looking through this article. I really like the original Civil War event pit heroes against each other over the question of whether superheroes should have to register their powers and ended up making just about everyone look awful. Yeah. So it's a su- Civil War tradition. Yeah. Uh, she Hulk's an interesting one, though, because she is a lawyer, so she works with due process. <laughs> so if she does fall on Carol's, on, uh, <laughs> we're on a first name basis now, yeah. on Captain Marvel's side, then that's it. I feel like, in a lot of ways, it's really cool, cool slash interesting that they put Spider Man and She Hulk because they're those kind of characters that, like, in some in the cases like She Hulk, should be on the opposing side, but isn't. In Spider Man, you feel like belongs there for one reason, but you could also see why he could. Flip flop, and maybe, and as Civil War tradition goes, <laughs> Spider Man will flip flop. Yeah. Um, unsurprisingly, the new Civil War will also include the death of a major Marvel hero. These sacrifices have become standard operating practice for Marvel events. A point the publisher Dan Buckley concedes in the New York Daily News piece, noting the death is the marketing hook. So at least they're self-aware, but not so self-aware to try and change. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you gotta kill people every once in a while, I guess. In, in comic books, not in real life. Don't do this at home. Uh, um, who? It, it's funny because they actually were considering killing Peter Parker off initially, and apparently Dan Slott saved him. Um, Dan Slott's like, no, no, I'll be out of a job, please. So it'll be Miles Morales. <laughs> um, but apparently, the person that gets killed 
is because they're it's predicted that they're going to cause some kind of major catastrophe and then the person that does the killing is the one that finds out and decides that they're better off dead i suppose so and it's a marvel hero that kills them so that's interesting too yeah. who's gonna kill them yeah. <laughs> what if it's speedball that dies you know he was the one that like was partly responsible for the impetus for civil war one so it's like oh he's gonna do it again let's kill him now i was gonna say isn't speedball dead no he's still alive yeah I mean, there was a lot of factors in that original Civil War. You have the Hulk destroying Las Vegas, then disappearing, and then reappearing for absolutely no reason at the end of Civil War. Hulk didn't reappear at the end of Civil War. Yeah, I remember like, everybody was like, okay, we've kind of come to a conclusion, and oh, here's the Hulk. No. Or was that like, more in the middle of the book? It's been so long. Since I no, that was right Thor. But Thor died like at Avengers Disassembled, and that was a clone of Thor. No, was here, that, did you log into my Marvel Unlimited account? I, okay, what, you think the first thing I did was reread Civil War? No, I'm just saying, did, did you log in? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, long story short, um, no, Hulk, Hulk had the World War Hulk storyline, which came after Civil War. Right. Uh, so long story short, Hulk had nothing to do with Civil War. Let's go ahead and just speculate more on who's going to die. Um... I can't like think of it like everyone's either died or had something significant happening to them. Like all the major characters that I can think of, and it's probably not going to be an X Men character, so it's going to be an Avenger character. So you got to think who's considered a major Avengers character. Or it's going to be an Inhuman. Well, I, I, I'm assuming the the, the precog is going to be an Inhuman. Oh right, right. We talked about that. Off-air, um, but yeah. I don't know who would die. Like I'm assuming that who would die. It might not necessarily matter to the public at large. This almost sounds like something that's going to be fairly like, you know, in Civil War One, like it was, it was, it was fought on a public front, but it it, it was you know hero versus hero. I feel like this isn't necessarily going to spend too much time dealing with like, like the government trying to enforce something. It's going to be kind of an insulated, you know, school schoolyard fight, so to speak. Uh, is my yeah, my no, you're you're gonna have governments get in on this if it's like oh we can prevent terrorist attacks. Well, it just depends because right now Iron Man is the one operating as sort of an independent entity. Like he's not really he's not really affiliated with Shield or anything except as like a independent consultant or contractor. Captain Marvel though is heading up is the director of the Alpha Flight Space Program, which is protecting Earth and is a fundamentally a government agency, whether it be U.S. or like U, U, uh, international. Uh, effort um so it depends on like does this precog end up in like alpha flight's care um but what is what does god doom think god doom no longer god doom um i guess the other thing is too like if this precog is in government care like does that mean like the governments of the world are going to well, want to utilize? That's where like what, the story can get so, like, too big. Well, and here's also the whole precog thing has been vague. Does he? Can he control when he knows people are going to do bad? Does he know when everybody ever is going to do something bad? Like, how would he not stop having headaches? What qualifies for his powers to trigger? Yeah, because things are maybe he like only predicts major disasters or something. Yeah, but, but that would mean like a lot of people would still die. Yeah, I don't know. Like that, He'll that, probably that, end up dead by the end of the story, though. Right. Well, that would kind of take away the the Spider Man argument of like, oh, you know, he would emotionally he would do it if it's only like big events because his event was very small and personal. 
But it was big in an emotional way. And obviously, whether you get shot in a home invasion or you, you know, get killed in a terrorist attack or something like it's still, you know, it's not it's not necessarily apples and oranges in terms of scale. Yeah, more people died in one situation than when one died in another. But as far as the people that are left behind, it's still emotionally scarring. I would love if the person that he sees is going to do something terrible is like the Hulk. And they're like, well, we can't do anything about that. So guess it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, Let's just prepare uh, ourselves. No stopping the Hulk. Nope. Um, yeah. So it's, there's, these are things that I would like to say, and and I, I'm not super pessimistic against Marvel. You know, they, they're humans. They're, they're running a publishing company. They're doing, you know, they're doing what they think is best. I'm sure they've thought through a lot of what if scenarios and made a lot of considerations, how that will ultimately end up on the page remains to be seen. Um, but things like these questions, as far as like, what kind of involvement does the governments have? Are different governments trying to get a hold of this person? Um, I mean, the thing is, like, you've heard, like, I remember reading stories where, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. has, like, you know, low-level telepaths or precogs on on staff and all that. Like, precogs and telepaths and things have existed. I think that is, that's, there's even a current, the current Hawkeye story. And I think they're just uh, telepaths. I don't think they're precog. Oh, yeah. So it's a lot of big question marks come up with Civil War. You know, I'm not going to make be a big stickler about the fact that it's, a spiritual sequel to the original civil war or that like they're reusing the name or that the, that the it's, it's ripped from minority report or whatever. They, you know, that's minority report with Tom Cruise. This is minority report with Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, some of the biggest heroes at Marvel. So that fundamentally makes it a different kind of story with different kinds of consequences Mm -hmm. potentially for our characters. So, uh, and it's going to look freaking phenomenal. Well, speaking of, uh, Marvel teases, uh, Marvel proclaims that somebody or something is dead no more. Dead no more. That's literally all it says is dead no more. Now, let's discuss a few things and why it's going to be Wolverine. Uh, obviously, they're announcing this because solicitations are about to come out, and solicitations will probably ruin whatever it is they're trying to tease. Uh, so they're like, oh, we'll try to build up excitement for it so people won't be totally surprised. And we're like, and here's Wolverine number one, or Logan number one, I guess they'll probably call it something like that. Or it could be that Deadpool is dead no more, and he's just pool. Hmm. It's true. Nick, who do you think is going to be dead no more? It's not Wolverine. You don't, you don't think it's Wolverine? No, in the, only in the fact that like we've just gotten in, got into the all new Wolverine, and we've they haven't even launched the old man Logan comic That's, yet. You know, is Wolverine still dead? Dot com. Yes, the Golden Goose has been dead for sixty five weeks. Wow. Yeah. Just over a year, we can change. Um, so it's not Wolverine, but then at the same time, it's like <laughs> it's also funny that this is coming hot on the heels of them saying some major character is going to die. Right. In Civil War. So it's like, all right, I can't think of... And again, just forget X-Men. Like, Marvel's not worried about X-Men. They're not doing a big promotional push for X-Men. So it has to be an Avengers character. So it has to be a major Avengers character that has died. That Marvel, you know, it can't just be, you know, like schmucking Gilgamesh or something who actually is alive. But I'm just being like, it's not going to be just one of your... You know, obscure run-of-the-mill Avengers characters that everyone's forgotten about. You know, there has to be a character that presumably a great number of people 
will react to when they reveal who it is. So the only other person I could think of could be maybe the original Captain Marvel, Marvel. Well, there's a few things they threw around. Uh, you know, it could be Namor, who that would be weird. They're like, Namor's dead, and he's back. Uh, Professor X, Gwen Stacy, the original, not Spider-Gwen, Jean Grey, the original, not time-traveled teenage version, Captain Marvel, Marvel, Nova, and Uatu the Watcher. And, of course, Uncle Ben, which would be really weird if Uncle Ben was just walking around. How would Spider-Man process that? Probably by falling on the pro-minority report sign. Oh, God. Oh, oh. Uncle Ben. I'm so sorry. Oh, God. Now, what I want to know in this new Civil War is where does Howard the Duck fall? He wouldn't care at all. He wouldn't. I think even during the original Civil War, there was, like, an anthology book that came out with Howard the Duck as, like, just being like, I don't want to be involved in this. Well, yeah, after that storyline, he was not legally recognized as a person. Oh, that was right. That's right. Uh, I just want another cover like the um, Next Wave Agents of Hate cover that we got from. This says, is like, like Mark Wade licks goats. What is Mark Millar? Licks no, goats. I know, but I feel like it should be something oh, different. Be Mark this Wade time. this time. Yeah, that'd be that would be pretty good. Uh, anyway, that's happening. I'm sure we will have more about that next week when solicitations come out and the cover ruins who's still alive. Uh, here's a quick story that I didn't notice before. Image Comics graphic novel Sex Castle is being made into a movie. This is not something I read, but it sounds hilarious. The uh, other important point is that Joe and Anthony Rousseau are acting as producers on the film. Uh, it is described, it was released last March by Image. The full official description is the former world's greatest assassin, Leaves the world of killing to a small town only to be pulled back in. An exciting action romp in the style of eighties of an eighties action film. The main character is called Shane Sexcastle. Uh which is amazing and I can't believe I had never heard of this before. I think I've heard of Sex Castle. Never read it though. Uh anyway, that is that is what is happening. You know what else is happening, Nick? Why don't you tell us? Oh, oh um, so TNT has passed on... Not the story I was going for, but all right. Wait, what, what other story? Uh, no, we'll do this one. We're already into it. Uh, so TNT has passed on developing the Titans show based off of DC's Titans slash Teen Titans property. Mm -hmm. um, basically, apparently no one was in a real rush to get it made and decided to kind of leave it on the floor... Uh, where the damn dirty thing belongs. Uh, no, um, there's not really a lot of information out right now about why it's um, kind of on, you know, kind of on the cutting room floor. There's a chance it could get picked up by another studio. And, and let's just face it, teen for a show that presumably was going to, even if it featured the more adult Titans, it was still going to be sort of, you know, probably in their twenties. The kind of show you might see on the CW yeah. or see on. CBS or NBC or something. Uh, TNT is not the kind of channel. TNT is basically for Law and Order reruns. And that one time it, it had had the Witchblade show. Um, oh right, that was a thing. Yeah, I remember watching it. That was good shit. Um, TNT was not the place for a, a show called Titan. Was well, I mean, I guess they could have a show called Titans, but not about the Teen Titans. It right. should be. It should be. A, no young person thinks, man. I wonder what's playing on TNT right now. 
Um, so presumably they're trying to hit like that sweet, like 17 year old to, you know, 35 year old or something, you know, even like 35 to 40 in that, you know, if you bump it up a little bit more, TNT is probably still not the place to do that. So, uh, that's, that's all I got. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, reading, you know, a lot of quotes have come out of why didn't it get made? Uh, and some stuff from the producers, um, or, you know, people who are in TNT, they've said stuff like there's an unbelievable glut of superhero things in the market right now. And if you don't have a really good one, or if you, if you uh, have a really good one, people are up for it. But I don't think there's a need for one that, for me, at least on paper, didn't seem to be screaming to get made. So, yeah, it's just, oh, like somebody, they optioned this a while ago and there's a lot of excitement about it. But then they just kind of got into it. And it's like, well, what do we do? How do we move forward? There had to be a lot of issues with what characters are on the table for us to use. You know, you can't have Robin. Uh, you can't have Nightwing. You, you know, you can't really have a Flash character. Probably couldn't have Arsenal bouncing around it's like you're going to be dealing with second tier and those names aren't going to necessarily draw in a lot of the crowds um you, and you can't fully rely on hey it's another dc show to really uh really get you there so yeah it's, it's unfortunate but probably really for the better mm -hmm. i would like to see you know i think i think it's a it's a property that could be made into a, a good show but at, uh, this is just not the time for it. Yeah. I mean, I wish like they didn't have the, uh, the, the, and they might not be wrong. I don't want to say one way or the other, but the fact that like audiences can't be smart enough that even if it did feature a Robin and an arsenal and all oh, that, I'm not saying or, that I'm just saying but, it's all tied up. Like WB won't let them use Robin. Yeah. Well, that's why, and I, that's what I mean. It's, it's more on their side than the audience side they're worried that people might get confused or that they shouldn't cross-pollinate these characters. I mean, we're going to have a Flash movie that's going to be completely independent from the Flash TV show. So it's like, you know, they basically are saying our TV... Well, with the exception of, like, The Flash, they're basically saying our TV shows are for the second-string characters. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, just because, like, a statue of Robin's going to be in Batman v Superman or whatever... Well, not a and, statue of Robin. It's... Robin's costume, the one that the Joker killed. Sorry, stash, the costume of Robin. Just because like Robin is going to actually have a history within the Batman v Superman mythology, you know, like oh, we might not, we might not be able to have him here. That might be too confusing. Is this all tied together? It's like no, just watch the damn show. That's almost like the downside of having this shared universe is that now there's the expectation that it should all tie together, and if it doesn't. People get confused. Yeah. And I know for a lot of people won't get confused, but unfortunately there are those that do. And I've talked about it on the show. Like I have a friend who, you know, is in our age group and kind of explained, I, you know, was talking to her about the whole bat or the, uh, the Spider-Man stuff. And she was just really confused about like, wait, didn't we just have a Spider-Man movie? Wait, now there's going to be another one. Now he's part of this whole thing, but he wasn't part of that previously. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we like to be like, nerds rule the world. Everybody's a nerd now. It's like, which is true, but also not everybody's our kind of nerd all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know how much of that is true of, of the general populace, but I have actually met people that are 
well, like they'll roll with it. They're super cool most of the time, but they do kind of get confused with the constant shifting and the whatnot and the who's it's. Who's in the what's it's? Mm-hmm. Well, Titans, may you rest in peace. I didn't put in the news because I forgot about it until just now that uh, ABC's Marvel's Most Wanted is getting made. Oh, yeah. Which is a show that. that I don't think needs to be made, but what are you going to do? And apparently Damage Control is being made, and then DC also has a, DV, a DC sitcom coming out on one of the channels. At least one or most of oh, these. Oh, Powerless, I think it's called. Oh, that actually sounded kind of interesting. I can't really remember the idea of it. Powerless TV show. A workplace comedy lands at NBC. Hmm, Interesting. Bringing here the breaking news from last year. This is from last year? Wow. Well, it'll probably never get made. Uh, last bit of news for the night is that Deadpool is officially now rated R. <gasps> they had promised for a while, but now the Motion Picture Association of America has announced that Deadpool is getting an R rating for Nick Drumroll. Wrong violence and language throughout, sexual content, and graphic nudity. Wow, they're really going whole hog. Yes, they are. So we're going to see Ryan Reynolds' wiener is what this means. It's going to be flopping out of the Deadpool costume. And he's going to say, who wants to see my chimichanga? And then bam, there it is. Uh, most pop, most likely possible. Yeah, most, you're you're most gonna, certainly. you're gonna be disappointed now when he doesn't say who wants to see my chimichanga. Well, we're gonna find out. Uh, I mean, strong violence we expected, language was expected, the sexual content and graphic nudity though. What does that mean? When... I mean, I knew that they were going to like they at least had one sex scene. Right, I didn't know um, how. I didn't know like how go. much they were actually gonna show. I actually really would have loved if they announced the rating and it was rated G. Just to screw with people? Yeah, like like no middle ground. It's just like Deadpool, rated G. Like it's like in, when he stabs people, it cuts away to pictures of kittens and puppies. Or like rainbows come out of their bodies when he like punches them. It, I could totally make it work. Marvel, call me. We're going to recut this thing. Uh, Nick, do you have any... Other comments on the news? Any news stories that we forgot to talk about? Uh, Don't care. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what your recommendation is for the week? So, I can't remember if I recommend this for because I think at the last time I talked about it, there was only one issue out. There's now Trace Issues out. That's uh, three from our Spanish friends. Or uh, Espanol Amigos, uh, as we like to call them. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> the oh. Espanol Amigos. Um, oh, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Um, but anyway, I'm recommending uh, the new series, The Vision. And I thought about it, and I, I gave that recommendation that like I'm super excited for Totally Awesome Hulk, and I totally awesomely am. But The Vision is such a... Tom King, he's my other... He's my other Steve Orlando. Like, Tom King Steve Orlando are like... I think my guys that I'm totally going to be finding over for 2016 uh-huh. as far as their writing. He definitely just like, you feel like he, he really thinks deep into the story. He's not necessarily satisfied with just popcorn adventures. Like even in Grayson, like it's, it's kind of fun. It's fast, but 
there's definitely you, you feel like there's a lot going on behind the scenes um constructive wise it's 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 very complex the same thing with the vision it starts off with like vision wants to make a family or to call his own and basically make synthesoid clones of himself but you know right, a wife right. and two kids and then it just literally falls apart from there and the way that it's written there's like this third person narrative that's like it's none of the characters that you've seen so far but and it like makes it like really you know unsettling like uh, something happened the wife does something in at the end of the first issue and like in the second issue she's having to explain the situation the vision but she's lying so later the line dollars like this is the story that she told and then like you're seeing the um i unfortunately i left all my comics at work um i want to say that then, then it depicted like the it kind of repeated like the scene that happened with her doing like killing the person that she killed but there's how she's telling the story and then showing her what she did. And you're just thinking like, like it, the story is just very, very subser- subversive. It's, it's like one of those kind of like indie suburban movies where like, you know, it's a powder keg waiting to explode and it explodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also like a great letter in the back of one of the issues where Tom Kane's just talking about how like, this is a book for specifically for comic people because, like, when he was growing up, comic books were still a thing to, like, be ashamed of, and you had to, like, hide it. You always felt like, I can't help that I enjoy this, but I can't share it with anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sort of, like, being a family of synthesoids, just being the other, and wanting to, like, the vision just so desperately wants to assimilate into human culture and not just be that other thing. And so he tries to impart, um, basically enforce or force that on these other synthesoids that he creates, and they just don't acclimate as well as he does. Because he, he basically, when you think of the vision, like he was created as a weapon by Ultron to attack the Avengers, decides not to, and then basically just lives as an adventurer slash superhero slash whatever. Like, it's not like he went from being born to trying to fit in in suburbia. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you know, he's had years to acclimate. He creates a robot family and then says, all right, we're going to live a normal human life and have to adjust. And you're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Um, and it's just, it's just good. It's good. The art by, uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta is just so unsettling, but just so appropriate for the book. And the cover is by Mike Del Mundo, uh, who's doing weird world for those that don't know. Uh, it just, uh, it's just, it's just incredible. So yeah, I've been interested, the vision. been interested since you talked about the first issue. You need to read David, you need to read Dr. Strange and the vision. What about Omega men? Uh, you also need to read that, but I actually haven't been catching up on that. Uh, did you know that Tim King used to be in the CIA? Yes. That's pretty yes. neat. Yes. Well, he, I don't know if I talked about it a couple of shows ago. He's doing a Vertigo book called Sheriff of Baghdad. That's like about. Oh, yeah. I remember this now. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I knew he was in the CIA. 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 The CIA. David, what'd you recommend? Well, Nick, I know you love when I do this. Oh, my God. You claim that you've never done it. But also, you can't give me any shit because you are the person who, on a comics podcast, recommended Scandal. Whoa, two, that's apples and oranges, man. Apples and freaking oranges. What are you recommending? I want you to go ahead and guess, Nick. Uh, what did we talk about in this show? I mean, I actually had to pay attention. Oh, my gosh. Uh, a, you oh, would... my God. You're recommending Power Rangers. That's right. I'm recommending oh the God. Mighty Morphin you... Power Rangers. And I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to be selfish about it because here's why I'm doing it. Because I want the book to continue, so I want more people to read it. 
to go out there and get it, but also because I do think it is a fun book and has a very bright future. I've said all I've already need to said about say about it. And uh, Boom Studios, you can cut the checks and send them to uh, the following address. <laughs> but yeah, I don't need to go on for 20 minutes like Nick does about every single book. So there you go. Bing, bang, boom. That is our show. Nick, any final thoughts? You can find out more about the show at heckyeahcomics.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics, all one word. You can send us an email with your thoughts on anything we've talked about or anything you think we've missed or stuff you think we should talk about to heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. And you can uh, find Nick trying to build robotic versions of himself to live the perfect life with but they'll all turn murderous at some point because that's how these stories always end if you enjoyed the show then please tell your friends and if you hated it then please tell your enemies until next time good bye Ever.